Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen, with the dark shadow of the Empire rising to take their place. This message is a warning and a reminder for any surviving Jedi. Trust in the Force. They've outgrown their age of rebellion, dulled the Empire's edge, defeated Imperial generals and the Pirate Queen's dredge. They've been soldiers and scoundrels, what's there left to be? How about last life looking for their force and destiny? There's a seer, hermit, investigator, and teacher better watch your back or vibe or rings gonna reach you. Will this team find the light or will darkness win the day? Find out with the heroes of a Hadian way. Welcome to Heroes of the Hydean Way. This is a Star Wars actual play podcast, and we're playing in Fantasy Flight Games' Force and Destiny system. We're using the Chronicles of the Gatekeeper adventure as developed by Tim Cox and Max Brook. This is Act 2, Question Episode 2, and I'm Ben, the GM for the adventure when we do adventure things. <laughs> I'm Brandon. That's I'm, Leslie. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Leslie. <laughs> Leslie? I said I'm Leslie. Oh, I didn't, I didn't hear that. Yeah. I didn't hear it either. Yeah, okay. I'm Leslie. I'm still Leslie. And I'm Christine. Oh, my God. I'm so confused. <laughs> this whole thing has been so confusing. <laughs> Chaos. I'm, I'm Ren. I'm very confused because there was no chatter or nonsense or shenanigans. Don't worry. We're going to get there because, <laughs> yeah. as Ben mentioned, <gasps> this is question episode two. And uh, we still have some questions from you all we're going to go through. Yeah, we saved all the nonsense for now. So, um, wait, we did? (laughs) Do I want to start there? I keep forgetting there's more down here. Scroll, Christine. There's more down there. Uh, I feel like that's another good lead in later on. Uh, Oh, you know what? We got some Adam questions. (laughs) My good friend Adam Beltane. We're going to, why don't we start with one of those? So Adam asks, you don't really have a techie character in this crew, certainly compared to Cav or Kith. Are you feeling the lack of that skill set? Nope. Leslie? Yeah. I mean, or, or Ren, there have been circumstances where having one would have been handy, but no, I think we're, we're uh, brute force and ignorancing our way pretty well through uh, technology right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I kind of confuse tech with engineering sometimes. I know that, like, I passed an engineer check back in, like, the preamble. <laughs> but I mm-hmm. think that's the only thing that's come up. I mean, that's also tech, right? Like, mechanics and computers. Yeah. I think we've just... You know, I haven't really felt like I missed it because we just come up for different solutions to things. It, it, exactly. And that's it's one of the things I like about this system is you don't have to have a given skill set. You can always find an alternative path that then leans on your strengths. I certainly like techie characters, but I I don't think we we needed to have one here. Okay, uh, Brandon, why don't you ask a question? Okay. Ren. Hmm. How do you think attempted murder will affect Skip? And that was from Ben Rhodes. Yes. Look. <laughs> in a court of law, 
Would that really be attempted murder or self-defense? I mean, should we include the fact that you actually did end up killing him, didn't you? Or did... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not really attempted murder anymore, so... Yeah. I'm just assuming that when the question Mm. got asked... that No, when the question got asked, the last episode hadn't aired yet, so... So so now, here's, here's the thing I can't remember... Does Skip use the word murder or no, kill? No, Skip says kill. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, Double checking. So ultimately, my snark aside, yes, I. It's certainly not going to make them feel very good, uh, mm-hmm. even though, you know, there's some element of it that is like you know, kind of kill or be killed in that moment. I don't think that Skip has had to do that sort of thing to that extent. Especially because, you know, they're tooling around the the galaxy with a sniper rifle with tranquilizer darts. Mm-hmm. This thing is lethal. In terms of how I think it will affect Skip, I, I, I have things in my head of how Skip is going to, to sort of wrestle with it. But at this juncture... It's uh, too early for me to say exactly how it's going to pan out. But there, yeah, there will be some conflicting feelings. Maybe even conflict. Definitely conflict. Mm. But uh, yeah. Um, Leslie, you're kind of the, the queen of the Easter eggs. And Hurley has a question. This season, I have missed several references and Easter eggs before reading about them on the Discord. What was your favorite reference, Easter egg, or other moment that you initially missed? Hmm. See, see, the the, the problem is, I actually have a terrible memory. <laughs> oh, no. So the correct answer to this is no idea. No, no idea. Um, I the the one thing I am inordinately proud of that has become a reference callback Easter egg is stabbing helpfully. Hmm. And that goes all the way back to Kith and has continued apace and spread into <laughs> force majeure by way of uh, the, the lovely Adam. <laughs> and it's, I've even, I, I actually use the phrase in real life. Yep. But um, I don't know. I do, I do make a lot of references, but I promise you, I am my own target audience nine times out of ten. So I don't know how much it counts. Yeah. You're not missing your own Easter eggs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. I, I need to know. Yeah. Did when did crates start? That was Brandon, I thought. Yeah. Was, I too. think it was it was Brandon. I think it was basically immediately it, 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 yeah, in season. I, I, two. I, you know what it, you know what it was? <laughs> it was it was in trouble brewing. We encountered that group of like criminals coming out of like the passageway. With right. like bo- with boxes, crates on like repulsor lifts, and yeah. that's where it started. So okay. yeah, and that was so episode first one. episode. <laughs> yep. I wasn't sure if the if it was if that was the start or if the, that was a. a it that came was over. not a joke in season one. That was uh that was a Brandon yeah. original. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yep. And just just took off from there. I need the listeners to know because they probably don't. Anytime anybody says the word crate in any situation, 
while we're recording, either Leslie or I will scream out in all caps in our chat. <laughs> Great. As in K-R-A-Y-T. Yeah, as in a crate dragon. It used to be Brandon who would do that every time. It's a disease. All of us have done it. It's only because of this joke that I actually know how to say crate as in the crate dragon. Because for the longest time, I had it in my head as K-R-Y-A-T. Yeah, I remember remember you pronouncing it as Cryet. Yeah, Cryet. I, 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 for a long time, also assumed it was pronounced differently. I think I usually pronounced it more like, just like the Y wasn't even there, like Krat, because I think I, I assumed. I think I think young Brandon, who only ever read this word, mm-hmm. uh, was like, Crate sounds dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that, that can't be right. That sounds too normal. Yeah, that's just a box. <laughs> Yeah, like uh. now I'm 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 100% on board with that. When you read a word and you're like, no, this this can't be this. That would the, be boring. Well, yeah, I think it was Kotor that like was the first time that I encountered someone say it aloud, and I was like, oh, I must have heard somebody say it before I played Kotor, but I don't <laughs> remember. Let's see. For, for the listeners, I feel like another thing that often happens when we say uh, the word destiny, which comes up a lot, is often either Leslie or I will put a gif up of in Back to the Future when the poor, I forgot his name, it, so um, McFly, George McFly, George, yeah. you are my density, is all like, you are my density, and he's all nervous and sweaty. Uh, you probably know uh, the gif. Yes. Yep. Yeah, but that's that's what comes up into the chat when, often when mm-hmm. somebody says the word destiny. Yes. So we have a lot of uh, in jokes and things yeah. that that you just don't get to witness not being in our Discord chat. But I thought I would it, share that with, with all it's, of you. It's we didn't it's have that a great whole audio <laughs> that audio yeah. medium kind of makes it hard to share some of the silliness that goes on beyond mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Uh, I do appreciate that when editing and we go off on a wild tangent, I just scroll back and like, okay, what the heck were we talking about? (laughs) It's like, and sometimes we'll be described like I'll toss in a graphic and we'll end up describing it. The circus one, the interim one shot that we did. uh, I know that in the first episode we've got everyone reacting to this picture of Plato Keefe that I tossed in the Discord chat. And it isn't until the second episode that I describe her. <laughs> the Discord is so much a part of us yes. and how we play. So, Leslie, do you want to ask the next question? Um, sure, let me poke, poke, poke. Pretty sure a lot of these will end up and like leading into the same conversation. Yeah, so, kind of dance around it, yes. Gotta happen eventually. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, we can talk about characters, uh, characters, morality, morality, mm-hmm. uh, the adventure, and the adventure with the characters. So, so, so which which uh, of those topics do you want to start with then? Morality, uh, characters, or adventure? Or the morality of characters in the adventure. No, um, I mean, yeah, there's that question, too. Christine. Yes. If you were going into this adventure again, 
knowing what you know, would you play the same character? Asks Adam of Force Majeure. No. Oh. One, I would have made a original character instead of uh, Rakesh had been hmm. a reimagining of a character I had played once before. I would have started fresh with a brand new idea and a character that matched more my play style in RPGs as it's developed. And knowing the adventure structure, I would have picked a character with a more like a more tangible goal, somebody who whose motivation might have been financial in terms of grabbing the crystals or had like a particular quest or task set before them. Um, that way there would have added a little bit more structure in a, a tool for, for Ben to use potentially. So yeah, I, I would have, I would have changed things up. Do we want to treat that as to everybody? Or? I, I, I think so. What about everybody else? No. Skip ended up being kind of perfect for this. Mm-hmm. Even though okay. I only set out to play somebody that was easy for me to play because druidy type was my type. Mm-hmm. Turns out, not actually super easy to play a druidy type when you are in a city all the time. The best thing I can do is carry dirt around in my pocket. <sighs> so so you, you would play the same character, is that what you're saying? Or you would not? Oh, yes, I would. Sorry. I mis misremembered the way the question was phrased. Hmm. Yes. I would not. I, I wouldn't it wouldn't even be close. Uh what would you have done differently? Oh boy. Um <laughs> and, and kinda like how I answered it, not looking for like, you know, spec or whatever. Just yeah, like I mean thematic things. A a lot of what you said about drive, um, is true for me too. Although I was thinking that that actually kind of goes against the way that the adventure was set up. So maybe it wouldn't have been because, because the adventure is sort of predicated on the idea that you aren't already sort of like interacting with the force world. So maybe, maybe a character is already touching on in some way, but I, I still feel like, I don't know. So a, a something, yeah. some kind of hook more tied into wanting the crystals than just because. Yeah. I know that my guidance, if I were to run this again, would be vastly different. Though mm-hmm. so I would also probably be making so many other changes to it as well. Well, so there's a couple pieces to it. Like the, the adventure itself, <laughs> I would definitely choose a character that, that has more personal investment in what's going on here in the first place. Uh, you know... If, if it has to be somebody that doesn't have force experience prior to this, then I'm not exactly sure where I would go, but I'd figure something out. I think, I think honestly, the story feels like, to me, it would work best with at least a character in the group who actually kind of knows what the Jedi were, because it, yeah. feels, like, it feels like an opportunity for a character to have that arc where, where, they, where they realize that, like, sometimes the Jedi were bad or, or whatever. But I know that might run counter to the way that the adventure is set up, so it might not really be a viable thing by the book. Uh, obviously, GMs can can agree to uh, whatever. I think from a like dynamic of this game in particular standpoint, we'll probably touch on this more, but knowing now more about how we are specifically interacting with conflict and morality, I uh, 
just wouldn't have played a character who was going to be who, who, whose purpose was to be interesting because of because of that. Mm-hmm. I, I would have just I would have just chosen I'm either going to be kind of darkish or kind of lightish and just otherwise kind of ignored that mechanic, frankly. That's more of a matter of like group dynamic because you know as as we've discussed in some of the earlier episodes, session zeros and morality and conflict episodes, like that that system is pretty squishy in the first mm-hmm. place, and you kind of have to figure out where where your group lands as far as how it should behave. And uh, f- for me, anyway, the walking the line that I was hoping I would be able to do with Koba just simply hasn't. Mm-hmm been possible given the way that that this campaign is interacted with morality so i would i would not build a character with that in mind okay uh leslie oh i guess i'm it i was about to say sitting here nodding along with everybody else's answers like okay yeah that makes sense i really don't know because i don't have a system for planning a character I, I generally go into a game with a character because I have an idea specific to the character, not necessarily to the game, which sometimes works uh, and sometimes doesn't. I think Hillary is borderline either way. I, I feel like he's had enough to do and to think about and to interact with to be a functional and interesting character for what he is. Uh, I don't feel stymied with him. But the thing is, I don't know, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I wouldn't be in the same place making the character now. So I probably would make a different character, but not because of the adventure, just because Mm -hmm. my brain is somewhere else. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and take the the reins here as we dive into the other two topics. All right. Our next topic is going to be morality. So we have um, two questions that are pretty much the same. So I'm going to read one after the other, and we'll just kind of take that as our general starting point. Hurley had asked us, um, how do you all feel the morality mechanic is meshing with your story? Do you consider your score when making decisions for your characters? And then uh, Adam Beltane had asked, um, for those who've played with the morality mechanic before, how do you feel the semi-in-character conceptualization and conversation about it that Ben is using in this system compares to the out-of-character technique implied in the main rules? Do you find it easier to chart your character's journey this way? So, really, we're, at, we're talking about morality and character journeys. Anybody want to start off with this one? I mean, I suppose I was just talking about <laughs> morality. Yeah. As I as I kind of implied a moment ago, I, I don't really feel like morality is particularly relevant in the story. Um, so in, in that regard, I, I kind of think it's sort of a non-mechanic. Um, I, for a while, was making decisions based upon attempting to go in a direction with morality, but um, I, I've stopped. Well, the dice weren't helping you out with that either. I mean, I mean, yeah, it, there, there was, it's it sort of, there was a significant chunk of the campaign where I was trying really hard to generate conflict. And, uh, you know, that's just my, my estimation of conflict. The way I would mm-hmm. run conflict is not the way I've been running conflict, and that's fine. 
And then when I did generate conflict, I did have a, have a tendency to roll in such a way that it kind of meant that I just didn't really move or, or I moved in the opposite direction from where I was trying to go. And I guess this gets at maybe a little bit the other part of the question. I think the way that we interface with conflict as far as like kind of dealing with it in character um, in, in the Walther scenes, uh, I don't feel like it necessarily does anything for me either way as far as like tracing my character's journey. I assume it maybe makes things easier to parse and reflect on for listeners, I would think, just based upon my assumption of like how well I think I would pick up on like the details of what characters do over the course of many weeks of episodes, as opposed to, you know, how I internalize it when I'm a player in the session. I do, I do feel that like having that in character moment does mean that we've done them so infrequently that it has kind of meant meant that morality isn't a, a, a functional mechanic in the game. My roles notwithstanding, I think that mathematically it would have been very difficult for anyone to actually, like, get to a point of, like, falling or paragoning with the number of times that we've rolled, which is very low. So I think it serves a certain narrative purpose that I imagine is uh, good for the nature of the way the game is consumed. Um, But I do think it, by its nature, somewhat removes the mechanical function of the morality mechanic. That's all I have to say. I, I agree with basically everything you said there. Um, so I have played with um, two other Force and Destiny characters before, and they were different experiences. But um, as discussed, that comes down to, in part, who the GM is and how they run morality, and, and that varies, and there's no right or wrong way to do that. With Kesh, I do try to, to keep the number in mind as a guide for where where I'm at. Like um, that is literally decided some decisions I've made, even mechanically. Like one of the last times we rolled conflict, I did well and I didn't go down. Or I might even have no, I don't I actually yeah, I think You've I, I up went up. And I that's when I went like the protect unleash route as opposed to like um, I'd been eyeing the Julio berserker talent tree for a while. And I wanted then something to reflect that more protective nature. Some of the, the things she was learning. Um, but a lot of the time it's been more a matter of how much I felt like taking conflict for using my, my force powers. Like that's where, the bulk of Kesha's conflict has come from. I do find, I think I personally prefer morality to be an unseen number to the characters. Cause like, I, I really, I really can't, but even though we do the Walther scenes, I really can't f- get into Kesha's head and think about what she thinks about her morality being about to hit the thirties. I don't, I don't know that it means too much to her. Or, or maybe maybe just the way I role play, I, I can't, or I don't, I don't want to take that number and go, oh, Cash realizes she she's close to falling in that way, and that's going to change how she behaves. I want it to be more about her character and her growth in terms of when she decides to, to hold back. And then I, I do agree with Brandon's point about, you know, we haven't rolled that often, because I, I am surprised that we we haven't ended up with either a paragon or a uh, dark side user but i've also i've i've seen both in play and um 
but those were also different in different dynamics, different campaigns. So I, I don't know. Ren Leslie, what do you think? There have been a couple of situations where I have paid a little bit of attention to it more in the beginning when I deliberately had Skip steal some things because I didn't want to just be fast-tracking to Paragon because it didn't seem really right for Skip. Mm -hmm. But other than that, morality has not super been in my mind. And I think right now I'm still really, really medium-y. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm at 56. Mm-hmm. So. I haven't done enough to really alter things. Yes, you had a question. Yeah, yeah and, and Leslie, this, I guess, is also to you. Um, uh, both you and Rin. To what degree do the two of you feel like you know how morality works as a rule? I feel like we've covered it pretty thoroughly. So you feel fairly confident about like knowing how it works in the system and stuff at this point? Yeah. I always get hung up on like exactly the math when we roll the D10, but I understand the concept of it and everything. We had an entire session on it. <laughs> right. I guess I just, there was, and maybe, maybe I am just kidding on the roll thing being a thing that we, we go back over every time we do it, but. I think that's just because it's entertaining to have Modi have to talk about the. Mm-hmm. I forget your term. Oh, I forgot. I forgot Modi even did that. Y- yeah. Any opportunity <laughs> I can take to make you as Modi say things. I know, right? I was asking because I know that, like, and this really extends to all the force related stuff. I feel like. I feel like the campaign largely avoided any of the rules that are unique to Force and Destiny for about the first act and a half. And so I was kind of curious for the two of you <laughs> who didn't come into this campaign familiar with how the Force stuff worked. Because like, I know Christine and I already knew when we started. I, I guess I've just sort of been curious to what degree at this point you feel like you understand how the game's Force mechanics work. And I guess this does extend to like Force powers as well as just morality and conflicts i feel like they've been they're unique mechanics but they're ones that we interface with very seldom or have for most of the campaign obviously lately we've all started taking force powers and using them more frequently but that's been like relatively recently yeah well if you're specifically talking about the force powers i i was i was totally there on how conflict works force stuff as you've seen i don't know how much gets edited out has been bumpy for me with me misunderstanding the rules multiple times, but I think I'm good now. And I, and I hope I'm not, I hope this isn't seeming like I'm trying to like lampoon you for not knowing the rules of the game. I'm kind of, <laughs> this, this is kind of a very like game designery question <laughs> of like, yeah, I've, I've definitely been learning as I go. Yeah. I don't know how Leslie feels. Yeah. Leslie. Thank you. Morality does not come into my decision-making paradigm as a mechanic. My decision-making paradigm is very spur-of-the-moment, in-the-moment, contextualized by what is going on and what the goal would be for mainly the immediate future, because specifically for, for Hillary, he's not sure he sees a future where he can go back to his family. Mm. So he is making a new family because he cannot be by himself. 
He does not function that way. Leslie understands the rules, but doesn't see the point. Of the three system-specific mechanics, I like obligation the most as a concept because I feel like it's something that everybody can dip their hands in. I understand the functionality of the... Oh, what's it called? Duty. 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 <laughs> How did I forget that? <laughs> and this is... Sorry, haven't had a good giggle about that in a while, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I understand the functionality of duty, and that makes sense, again, within the context of the militaristic format that you are um, encouraged to use mm-hmm. as, as being part of a rebellion. Uh, the morality, without the game giving you a contextualized morality, I feel like the mechanic itself doesn't mean a lot. I feel like what it can do for you as a player is kind of give you a mechanical way to look at how your character is doing in a more nebulous way than experience does. But even falling and ascending or whatever it would be and getting to flip those points for being a paragon or a dark side user. It's just dark side user. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of renegade. Boring. Wait, no wrong thing. <laughs> Different different franchise. Different franchise. Yeah, I mean, that's where they took it from, or what it morphed into. I don't think I have seen, even in, in looking at other people playing the game and listening to other people playing the game, the point of the morality as a mechanic. And part of that, I think, is because without an internalized logic to what counts as good and bad, you can't really give it a purpose to a group. It ends up being what each person has. And that's not, I'm not saying this is on you, Ben, in any way, shape, or Mm -hmm. form. I'm saying that it's such a fuzzy concept in the first place to then assign something that's very arbitrary with a really weird way of adjusting it. it. It seems like point salad to me it's a mechanic for a mechanic's sake and while i understand how the things are calculated in a general sense i don't see the purpose that is not affecting my enjoyment of the game or my choices in the game it is just how leslie looks at it yeah i mean i think i think that that makes sense that's quite close to my own opinion on it too the thing that i found that i think maybe this game has skirted around a bit is that the point of morality as a mechanic has a lot more to do with utilizing force powers than the softer, like, what actions does your character take, I think, in practice. We have all employed relatively few you-roll-force-dice-and-do-things powers, at least again until very recently. Mm-hmm. It has felt like it is entirely the, like, did you steal a thing? How much is that worth part? Where I think that's actually, like, the secondary part of the mechanic, the the primary part being like the cost benefit sort of risk risk reward element of the roll dice. Do you want to use those dark side pips, uh, et cetera, which having hadn't moved since the beginning, I've been feeling. (laughs) Yeah. But 
For a very long time, you were the only one who ever really rolled a force die. And that sort of shows up in the conflict scores. Even Mm -hmm. though we're doing them relatively rare, which was a choice way back at the starting because I didn't want to be petty and I didn't want to have everyone rolling like every other session. Mm -hmm. So it turns into, well, how do you get people with enough conflict, especially at the early points where no one's got any real reason to use it? Like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm using move. It's either I've got one force die. Mm -hmm. It succeeds or it fails. And Mm -hmm. if I want to use dark side points, it's there's just so little that you're using. It isn't until you get into having two, three, four dice that it starts becoming interesting because you've also got all this experience and powers. <laughs> until you can do something with the force, there's not a huge point. And otherwise it starts becoming the hundred commandments kind of thing where this thing is worth this many conflict points and going through and just reevaluating of like, okay, well, you stole three things, so that's three conflict. You smacked a barkeep behind there to shut him up, so that's two conflict. Mm-hmm. It just sort of feels like litigating the ways of play. In any of the games where I've used morality, I've not employed it in a way that is fun. I, you, you, Sorry, I have a thought, too. Mine, mine's going to be really quick. Because okay. it's... I think another problem with this particular campaign is going to come back to something we are going to be discussing shortly where we Mm -hmm. don't have the emotional involvement to make morality decisions charged. Well, I think this ties into something else, but both the use of force powers and taking the conflict and the making hard decisions until the end of act two, we didn't have, um, a really dire threat. We didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of that mechanical incentive or that situational incentive to make those difficult choices where, where it wasn't that we could steal. It's that we had to steal. It wasn't that we, you know, could, mm-hmm. you know, kill someone. It's that we, you know, it was us or them situations like that. And I think it also shows, and it will show when we roll our, our morality here in a little bit, all of us gained a lot more conflict than we've had any other time. Yeah. And like my experience of conflict and morality in other games, which granted have often been games that I've been running. So I've gotten to choose how I, how I adjudicate them, you know, has, has generally been with players who, well, so hey, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a mean GM than Ben is. I throw, I throw like, things that will kill players more easily. So I, I tend to force players to use or at least consider using every every available tool they have. That's why Cash is missing an arm. Yep. So there's that, uh, which is not a value judgment. It's just a statement mm-hmm. of how I GM. Mm-hmm. Other Force and Destiny games where I've seen this mechanic employed, it's ones with, at the very least, more significant threats, which also is partially because I just don't use published adventures. So I... I decide how significant the threats are and stuff. It's all, it's a thing. And it's, you know, with players who are, are all engaged by the force part, right? And have those potential options for where they would potentially need to use dark side pips 
or, or at least be faced with a question about whether they want to use dark side pips or not. And I only really have to employ the like softer action based bits when they do something significant, right? I don't think the table in the book that's like stealing is X stuff means that like if you take a, a $10 bill off a counter that doesn't belong to you, we need to stop and talk about that. It's more like, you know, if there's a narratively momentous moment or some significant problem that you choose to solve via, you know, a, a method of theft or, or harm against a non, uh, like uh, somebody who's not aggressive towards you, et cetera, like one of those things on the table, that's when that stuff matters. Otherwise, it's like entirely in conversation with the force power mechanics. Now, I've always had the luxury of reading it that way because I've had groups that all want to have force powers. And it's not a reading that functions for every given force and destiny group or, or, or certainly not every character in one because it kind of stops functioning if characters aren't using force powers. And then it gets it, it's like this weird situation where, you know, so-and-so over there who just hasn't taken any force powers and thus never has the opportunity to generate conflict if they don't do actions that necessitate it. And I'm not tracking their every move enough that they would have to like really go out of their way to do something bad to get much conflict. It just means they kind of skyrocket the Paragon for no reason. So there's definitely like the system is endeavoring to sort of like fit a lot of different shapes when it just can't. I think it's trying to accommodate too many kinds of characters in it. Yeah. If I, I've never tried this because uh, it's been a number of years since I've run a Force and Destiny game. And, and realistically, I probably will not run one again. But if I were to run one or a game where the Force and, and, and morality and conflict were in play, I think the approach I would take would be to find some way where whether or not you're even interacting with morality is predicated on whether or not you're interacting with force powers. And so even if you are technically force sensitive or you're technically a force and destiny character, if you're not actually using the force for anything or using force for force powers, I suppose I'd have to kind of hand wave force talents. I think you probably just wouldn't interact with it because the system otherwise, the system doesn't really work for players like that, right? Unless you do play the, like, action stuff by, like, really stringent, yeah, irritating rules, which um, isn't fun and I don't think is the intent. Oh, it probably isn't. Yeah, it's just, it, I, think, I think it's a system that, that suffers from, like, trying to cast too general a net and just kind of let GMs figure it out, which, yeah, for this kind of mechanic, as with duty and obligation to a lesser degree, there, there is a measure of GMs have to decide the, the particulars of how they're employing those mechanics in the game. How how bad is the thing that happens when your obligation gets rolled, etc. The foundation is extremely broad and works for, a, I think, a, an extremely specific kind of game. But it does not tell you that. And I would go so far as to say this is not a game where it works yeah no this is not even as we've messed around with it because this is very not rules as written but yeah it i would not say that the morality mechanic is really working in the situation of this podcast 
No, for sure. Hindsight being twenty twenty, I would probably be like, okay, Cash is starting to go, going to start tracking and rolling morality mm-hmm. as she starts to use move more, right? Yeah, that makes sense. But then probably the rest of us wouldn't have started to really kick in again if I were doing it sort of the way that I think might be the most effective way in, in a general sense uh, it, until you know the latter half of Act Two. Um, that would be a way I'd be willing to try it again. But otherwise, I'm since this is still kind of the way that I run my games. I don't know that I would actually run the morality mechanic. Yeah. In fact, on my Thursday games. We've started kind of a Force and Destiny campaign, except we've just not done the, like, we've chosen the strengths and weaknesses, but otherwise, we've not even engaged with it. Yeah, apologies if that was a a speech. No, no, I think it was good, and I think it also leads into our next question uh, from uh, Seamus. Oh, okay. They're kind of, uh, this one I'm going to kind of group in with, with, Ben Rhodes's, because we're kind of now all talking about the adventure. Yeah. 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 Which is, um, Seamus's is, how typical of a Force and Destiny campaign do you think Chronicles has been so far, and how has it deviated from the norm? If this is the first Force and Destiny game for anyone, how has it deviated from your expectations? Rin, Leslie, one of you want to take that? Sure, yeah. Okay, so... To start. Yes, this is my first Force and Destiny game. I... If anyone is here that remembers my question answers from Edge of the Empire, I specifically flat out said, I'm not interested in Jedi's or the Force. I'm way more interested in this like dusty cantina bounty hunter side of things. The only reason I joined on to this thing is because of the group, because I don't really care about Jedi. Uh but I really like all my fellow players. So I said, yes, I'll come back and do Force and Destiny with you all. So I will say that my expectations were high for, you know, having a lot of fun with these folks, but low for me caring about Jedi stuff. And uh, it's not deviated from that at all. (laughs) I still don't really care about Jedi stuff, but that's not through anybody here's fault, but I'm still really enjoying playing with you all that's my my honest answer sorry if that bums anyone out and i don't really care about jedi no no it's fine jedi suck totally fine that's fair they're so terrible (laughs) like philosophically but we don't need to go there it's fine leslie i didn't really have any expectations because this is uh my first time really interacting with the force powers for me I've played in a couple of, you know, random home games where folks had force powers. You know, we had a couple of folks with lightsabers and flippy-doos and fancy things. Um, I I have no great attachment to the Jedi as a culture. Uh, I like the idea of there being, you know, a bunch of different interactions with the force. I don't know anything about the Night Sisters uh, but I know that they they did forcey things, and you've got the Jedi who do forcey things, and the Sith, mm-hmm. and uh, other cultures where it's less of a an individual thing and more of an idea, kind of how the the universe functions. So I didn't have a specific idea in mind as to how this would work, especially not mechanically, because I'm like I'm I'm just learning. 
on this because I, I uh, you know, um, <laughs> I think if I were going to play a force game with the home group with my college bros, I would have had ex- expectations because uh, I love them. I love them all, but they're in it for action, adventure, intensity, movement, where I feel like we tend to have a lot of fun specifically doing character things, not necessarily like the downtime, which we do enjoy or anything, but we, we like kind of playing with the ideas behind our characters more than, you know, action for action's sake. Uh, and I'm not, trust me, I'm not knocking action for action's sake because I do enjoy random games like that. I, 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 I do enjoy the idea of being ridiculously good at something. So that that to say, I don't know about what I would expect of a quote-unquote typical Horse and Destiny campaign, because my experience with all TTRPGs is that it's heavily reliant on who's at the table. Mm-hmm. So unless you're playing with the same people every single time and have been doing so for a long time, I think you're in it for a mixed bag. You're not going to know until things get rolling. And it also depends on where people are in their heads and in their lives. Christine, do you want to answer or should I? No, you, you go ahead. I. The short answer for me is uh, this, uh, in my experience, is not a Force and Destiny game. This is Edge of the Empire game that uses the Force and Destiny books. And I think a lot of that's the module. Nothing about the setup of this adventure kind of gets at the things that I, I associate with the part of Star Wars that circles the Jedi and, and deals with the Force. And nothing about the design of the adventure gets at the things that I have found in other Force and Destiny games that I've played in and run. Generally in those, because of the increased relative power level of characters, certainly after they've gotten a few levels and picked up some Force powers, even if they're not Jedi in the technical sense, Force and Destiny games, in my experience, have generally been like higher on the action and the adventure and stuff, or at least higher on the uh, sort of epic absurdity of those things. That's a good phrase. Relative to the other kinds of Star Wars stories, both because the characters are more powerful and they need more absurd stuff to to be able to challenge them and like put them at risk, but also because they have more powerful tools to get over it when things go bad, right? Like in an Edge of the Empire game, if if you take a bunch of fall damage, uh, you're in trouble. There's not a whole lot you can do. Tell me about it. In a Force and Destiny game, if yeah, if someone has heal harm, if, you know, you'd be surprised what you can live through. And so, like, the fact that this adventure seems to not only not pursue that kind of storytelling, but even like shy away from it relative to like Mask of the Pirate Queen. It feels to me a lot like an Edge of the Empire adventure that somebody was like, "Uh uh-oh, we need a Force and Destiny adventure stat. And they were just like, I'll just make all the bosses of the Axe Jedi and it'll be about getting a Jedi thing. Mm. 
uh, done. Yeah. From my point of view, you're not really wrong. I mean, get a sufficiently powerful group together, and I honestly don't think that a four-person edge group would have too, too much trouble with the final stats of Ward. Yeah. Now, if you're no, to run this no. as an edge campaign, I think you could do without uh, any real changes. Can I uh, go ahead? just say drop Ward? <laughs> yeah. like uh, The final boss, just because in case somebody hasn't picked up on that. Yeah. Yeah. So just yeah, the, the, the final boss. Sorry. No, it's no problem. Some of this, I feel that we somewhat should postpone the discussion on this until the act three question and answer where we just dissect this whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing that anyone has said so far is wrong. And like I've reread through the module and it's, yeah, you could run it. You could run this completely edge and like with no force powers or just the force powers in the edge of the empire book. And no one would notice like, yeah, Markov would be cool, but that's, like the only thing that would be like, yeah. So here's, here's something else though. Um, maybe this is just from, from my experience, like what you're talking about where, yeah, this could be, you know, this is an edge adventure. It could be an edge adventure. I'm thinking back to the other times I've been able to play force and destiny and they were original campaigns, not based off of an adventure Mm -hmm. and fell into the same traps the force and destiny game i ran became age of rebellion not through my design but through player choices Mm -hmm. um the and the ones i've been able to play both could have been edge games in terms of the plot and challenges they were only force and destiny games based on the the character struggles but i think i've talked a little bit before i the force and destiny games i played with we didn't really have like lightsabers yeah, or inquisitors, except for the one I, I, I ran or a lot of that, those trappings. Well, so I guess for me, this has been a little bit more typical towards what I've yeah. gone through. Can I ask a very cynical question about probably about capitalism and maybe things I shouldn't ask about when Brandon's on the call? Nobody will know. Fair. Um, why did they make, three systems they could have just made one did they just make three to make more money could have just been the star wars rpg system and i i mean that decision was made well before i was part of the company the my game designer theory has nothing to do with any any knowledge i have because of working at ffg i actually think that the three systems is potentially a pretty good idea but that is somewhat because of my having played previous editions of Star Wars RPGs that didn't yeah. try to do that approach. Hmm. I, like, I know part of it was they, they frankly did not know what they wanted to do with the force. Mm-hmm. So they could just push it off, push and, it off. in edge. Cause I remember at least in the yeah. beta book, this might be in the actual edge core book. There's just a stat for a lightsaber and it is OP. It is the high end. Mm-hmm. Force powers are super strong. Like, like they, they just went, they were like, okay, Jedi are powerful. We're just going to make mm-hmm. them feel powerful here. We'll figure out what that looks like 
down the road. We'll save that for last. The lightsaber that's in Edge of the Empire and Age of Rebellion is massively more powerful than the one that's in Force and Destiny. It's the equivalent of a completely, utterly upgraded Ilum Crystal in Force and Destiny. It's got 10 damage base, Breach 1, Crit 1. Like, this is the super weapon. Mm -hmm. The only thing that can really go against it is the Fusion Torch, I think. (laughs) It's overpowered on account of it has no drawbacks and has Breach, uh, has like five damage base and no setbacks for being an improvised weapon. Yeah. I I think the Force notwithstanding, because it is... One thing that I've found it in playing the other editions, having Edge and having Age as separate systems and separate systems that came out before the Force stuff made it so that I actually cared about that stuff. Mm. And it <sighs> was... I could have an entire Edge campaign and have this scum and villainy type thing where I can focus in on that and not have to worry about anything to do with the force other than like ethereally or i can have a rebellion campaign and that's where we're at yeah but i don't have any of the force stuff to deal with or and i don't have to have any of the scum and villainy type things and i i think honestly the first two books make a lot of sense because you've got people that want to play firefly and you've got people that want to play i can't think of a military one but then Battlestar galactica i don't know sure yeah, I mean uh, that's that's a pretty fair. But yeah. they're they're not their settings or their their shapes. Whereas the Force and Destiny, I think, in a way, they probably decided they had to do three because it's Star Wars. Everything comes in threes, mm-hmm. and they needed an answer to the Jedi question. Mm-hmm. But the problem mm-hmm. is, the Jedi are not a setting; they're addressing. Mm. Yeah. Sort of. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I, I personally, not being somebody that delved into the lore, and even even now, I'm very loosey-goosey on my Star Wars lore, without all this context that could be provided by maybe some of the books or something, just the movies mm. doesn't give you a lot of answers about what a Jedi story should be. Yeah. Un- until the High Republic, I didn't. I've read far too much Star Wars. I own far <laughs> too many Star Wars books. Until the High Republic, I haven't seen a Jedi story that I actually cared about, other than when Luke got kicked out of leading the Jedi Temple and had to go on walkabout with his kid Ben. And then that book series just went to. I did not like that. I did not finish that book series. Ben <laughs> uh, has opinions. I don't want to beat myself. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's so the interesting thing, like contextually, previous Star Wars editions didn't, you know, try to split these things up. They tried to just have a, a core book mm-hmm. that covered you, whether you wanted to be Han Solo or whether you wanted to be an ace X-wing pilot or whether you wanted to be a powerful Jedi, and it just they just had to fit all of those things into one book and one rule set. And it never went super well. Like, there was always something there that was just, like, clearly the part that didn't really fit. 
Mm-hmm. And usually you ran into the wizard problem. Yeah. The what problem? It's a theory crafting thing in D&D where wizard starts off as the weakest thing on the planet in the adventure. It's you've got, well, no, the individual rats that you're going up against are so stronger than the wizard who mm-hmm. has like one spell and doesn't feel all that special for the first couple levels. And, and, and two hit points. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, the yeah. rat has more hit points. Does more damage. Like the rat, you've got a choice between a wizard and a rat at level one. You're taking the rat. But you get to like level 10, and then the wizard just lays waste to anything else. As soon as you get like fireball or into that realm, the wizard just becomes this. Hmm. The power level just doesn't match, doesn't get anywhere close. And. Certainly by the time that these books were being conceived, like Star Wars had long since sort of the scale of legends was such that you you really, you really did kind of have three fundamental kinds of stories in, in Star Wars. If you were somebody who was like keeping up with stuff through the latter nineties and like early two thousands and everything you had, the Edge of the Empire style stuff, which was always like predicated initially on the idea that Han Solo was cool and we want to know what he was up to before the movies. And then, of course, over time, that becomes like whole arcs about who the bounty hunters are and like other smugglers and Han and Lando's adventures before the trilogy and Dash Rindar is there and all this stuff. Or at least his shoulder pads. (laughs) So, So you had that. And that was usually pretty easy for RPGs to hit because it was like the most fundamental just, this is an RPG party, right? Uh, this is mm-hmm. this is a bunch of random murder hobos in a spaceship that fly around doing things for money. They may or may not be good people. My goodness, remember when we cared about money? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> then uh, you had the people, uh, and I was one of these people, who most attached to the war part of Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. That were like really invested in the scrappy rebellion versus the Empire and the the struggles of like this tremendously asymmetric conflict and the heroism that could exist in, in the sort of like normal people who have become soldiers and the, the sort of fragility of life sometimes when you're like part of an X-Wing squadron on the one hand, you're awesome and you've got spaceships, but on the other hand, sometimes, sometimes a TIE fighter is a good shot and you die. (laughs) And then you have the people and this, I think trends younger a little bit. I think it, I think it corresponds somewhat to, to, to what degree you grew up with the prequels for, for whom Jedi were the thing. Right. And, and, and not so much Jedi like Luke, necessarily, although some people certainly, like, Play. by the time the Legends introduced, like, reestablished Jedi Order and stuff, sure, that stuff. But, like, I think from a merchandising perspective and, like, a larger fiction kind of perspective, I think the the Jedi stuff that proliferated and was, like, really the main identity of the Jedi was prequel stuff and Clone Wars, right? Yeah. And, and stuff that was like that. So it makes a lot of sense for them to do these as separate things because it also means that because they chose to do a class system with the careers, it it, it meant that they could tailor the careers and the design of each one to the kinds of things the game could be about. Right. So even though there is like edge of the empire has a technician and age of rebellion has a technician, 
It's just called something different. Engineer. Right. They are designed to serve the nature of the stories that are being told with those characters or, or that, that are theoretically being told with those characters based upon, like, presumably why you've chosen this book over others, right? That meant that each one could kind of focus on what's important about those kinds of Star Wars stories instead of here's all the things that are important about all these different kinds of Star Wars stories and we have to decide which ones are more important than the others. This does beg the question, why isn't Force and Destiny more explicitly set in the prequel era? I have suspicions I can't air on the podcast. Uh, yeah. You take a look at the first two. There, There's nothing that anyone can answer that doesn't have a NDA specifically around the contracts when they got signed and when they got renewed. Mm-hmm. It's probably a similar reason why we've got very little in the sequel trilogy timeline beyond the... There's that beginner box, right? Yeah, there was a beginner box and that's it, which is kind of sad because there was some really good, even just as a setting. Yeah, I'll be quiet. Yeah, I didn't didn't Um, know anything really about the Age of the Empire book or or Age of Rebellion book, so I was coming at this from a place. having, Having not played that one, they're fundamentally, like they're close enough that you can move between the two and not have to like totally relearn the game, but... There are some very distinctly different kinds of things you can get up to that, in some cases, really successfully grab the part of Star Wars the books are supposed to be about. Yeah. Okay. Our uh, our last question is from ACJ, and it is, are y'all going to continue with this module? I'll take this one because, well, it's more or less a GM question. Yep. And the answer is... Not explicitly, but kind of. Okay. Can you elaborate? (laughs) Said the answer was quick. Okay, so we've built up several themes and threads that I do feel need to actually have an end to it. As much as Ward hasn't been a huge thing as a driving force, it is still a fairly open question that I think, especially with the beginning of Act 3, is going to turn into more of an actual question. How much of the adventure are we going to be using? There's exactly one setting and two encounters that I like and that we're going to be actually using. Beyond that, I can't say I've thrown them out. I can't say I've tossed it because there's just no structure to it. There's so little structure to Act 3 that it's pretty much GM go make it yourself anyway. Because by this time, there are so many things that have happened. There's so many variables that in this style of adventure, it's near impossible to write a solid these are the things that are happening in Act 3. Mm-hmm. And every time that I've gone through these adventures otherwise, and there's been a solid Act 3, it's essentially we're doing a mini-arc anyway. So in this case, I've talked with the players over our break and doing recording, and I have taken some heavy inspiration from what is in the adventure, There's one setting that I absolutely love, and we're going to be hitting that because it's a great backing for what we're doing and where I'm taking it. Where I'm taking it has nothing to do with what's in the book. I just like the setting of it. Mm -hmm. There's two encounters that I want to have happen and because they look cool, and it's the same reason why we got the giant lobster in Mask of the Pirate Queen. Are we running Adventures Written? No, nowhere close, but 
is this going to be inspired by it? Yeah. From what I've heard from the four of you participating with me right now and what I've heard back is generally the stuff where I go off book is better stuff anyway. So this is essentially us just going off book. Okay. I like the sound of that. Yep. I'm in. I said that wart is still going to be a thing, right? That's fine. Like we wouldn't want to drop that thread completely and just be like since we've gotten through this year of doing this with ward somewhat being there it kind of feels like oh well we didn't really need to do that anyway also we gotta use a holocron more like that kind of went away for Uh, half an act well we we were we were hiding it for a long time we're still we'd love to invest some more in ward's foresight too at some point we got a second crystal to investigate but that's getting ahead of ourselves For this next section, Brandon, would you do us the honors of saying lightning round all fancy like, like you do? I, I think it's time for the lightning round, governor. <laughs> okay, not what I meant, but sure. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is this the point where we get all British just to, you yeah. know, offend, offend Adam Beltane? <laughs> I, mean, well, I yes. think we should do that a lot because it's just Adam. That's how you say it, right? Adam Beltane? Adam, Adam Bell, 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 Okay, so uh, we're entering the lightning round. Um, lightning. Kachow. Another thing to maybe be cut. Does anybody feel particularly strong about leading this lightning round? I mean, I am. What, Brandon? Okay, then, Brandon, you're up. All right. Do right, the whole God. thing in the accent or not? Up to you. Are you going to do it all I'm not, fancy? I'm definitely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're fancy enough. I, I am. I am absolutely fancy enough. I mean, you have a Sheba. It's true. She's actually in the room. <gasps> Lurk. Mm. Yeah. Helping. She. She is lurking. Okay. Um. Hmm. Oh, dice are being rolled. <laughs> Remember, there's a lightning round. Got to answer fast or you're penalized. Ooh. Ren, in a truly unexpected and logistically difficult crossover, Cav is running a game of caverns and crate dragons for the Chronicles heroes. Who do you play? Uh, uh, wait, is this a Ren or a skip? It was... I'd say skip. Yes. It, yes, however you want to take it. It's a lightning round. Uh, 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 a robot, a droid, a droid. Okay. Leslie, what's the name of your tell-all bi- autobiography uh, when the adventure's finally done? And I guess by, by you, I mean Hillary. It's not all high-flying and smooth landings. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christine, your character wakes up from the latest vision with one item from our world. What would it be? Butterscotch candy. <laughs> wow. Uh, Ben, hooded black robes, yay or nay? Yay. Christine, how many scorekeeper points does everyone currently have? Um, so Hillary is at like a five. Koopa's probably at like a solid like, I don't know, 100, 200. Skip's definitely up there now. Maybe like a three or four from uh, the recent killing of Dolan. And uh, Kesh is... Uh, 
Kesh is at uh, like a, only like a 60. She hasn't done very well here. I didn't expect to have so many. <laughs> Leslie, what is the weirdest thing Hillary's ever eaten? There's this glowing shrimp that I found uh, at this one particular restaurant. I don't remember what planet it was on. But if you poked it with the fork, it would glow vibrantly in your mouth. And then as you swallowed it, you could actually see it through your skin. Also, it gave you terrible indigestion, but it was worth the experience at least once. <laughs> Christine, Cash uh, is going on her first date with uh, uh, someone who hopefully will not also try to stab her. <laughs> What's her outfit? Uh, a red dress. Okay. Rin, what's Skip's favorite kitchen tool? A Leatherman multitasker. Ben, calf or tea? Uh, tea. Leslie, Hillary, Hillary finds um, some kind of statuette. Let's say it's of a of a bird of some sort, uh, and Skip asks Hillary what what it is. Uh, fill in the blank. Skip, it's the stuff blanks are made of. You can't say dreams. Dreams is not allowed. Yeah, I, I, I kind of figured, but it's really hard to kick that, that muscle memory there. That's the point. <laughs> you jerk. Uh, it's the stuff that... Teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it's the All stuff right. that teeth are made of. Keratin, I believe. <laughs> or calcium. <laughs> That's a pony oh, reach. No. Ren, skip the evil twin. Well, neither of us can grow mustaches, so no one will ever really know the truth. Oh. <laughs> okay. Nice. Sounds like what the evil twin would say. Uh, ben, dinosaurs or dragons? I will be judging your answer. <laughs> okay, now that one's kind of a hard, though. I'm going with dragons. Okay. Mm. See, if, if, if there's anybody, if there's any any question I wish you had, Brandon, it's that one. <laughs> It's not, it's not even hard. <laughs> uh, what is Cash's favorite daytime holotrope? Uh, enemies to lovers. <laughs> because it's the opposite of her experience? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Uh, Ren, when Skip is shelving books, how do you sort? <laughs> color, height, author, or title? You you shelve your books? I just put them all in my bag, however it'll fit. Just hope, just hope in, they all... In, in reality, though, it is technically by size, hardcover, uh, then down to quality paperback, then down to paperback, uh, but then by genre, and then author, last name. I used to work in a bookstore, leave me alone. I'm impressed. Skip worked at a bookstore? <laughs> no, that was the me answer. <laughs> interesting, interesting, uh, interesting detail we've learned about Skip. <laughs> I wonder how long it lasted. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, just shuttle us to the end here and ask a question for everyone besides myself because I have that kind of power uh, <laughs> that I can choose not to answer. Uh, however, I have been told I have to read this question in a specific way. Um, spa day. Yes. What's everybody's favorite <laughs> plan? What Beth? Ben, answer for Carl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Cash would follow Hillary's kind of program, whatever Hillary would select for, because she she doesn't know otherwise. It sounds like cheating, but I'll accept it. Hot uh, rocks and uh, hand and foot massages. Maybe like a nice claw manicure, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Hillary's totally into to mani pedis. Mm. I already answered. I don't know if it got heard. Uh, yeah, mud bath. Okay. I must miss it. Uh, Carl, Carl would go with a mud mask and a massage. I mean, technically, Hillary would say all of them. Nice. Hmm. We're, we're, we're going to do all of these? Oh, yes. It's an entire experience. <laughs> this that's why is it going takes to a, take hours. That's why it takes a day. Spa this one involves some day. sort of leech. That's the, this, this sounds weird, Hillary. Hillary. I don't know if I'm going to like it. It's Fast traditional. Fast forward to uh, five minutes later, Rakesh is asleep uh, <laughs> for whatever they're doing. <laughs> I just, I just imagine Carl is like, uh, I was forced to didn't see a gift for it. And I'm too lazy to go find a screenshot, but like a uh, wharf in the mud bath. Yeah. That, <laughs> that sullen face. Where he's just like grumpily sunken in there to his chin. That was a really good upset. episode. No, that, that, I like that episode. See, that's more like Koba though, right? <laughs> yeah. Like- and, and Cash. Koba is, uh, while well, everybody is getting their pamper on, I guess Koba is pursuing some leads because we are in fact at this spa because some credits are being laundered through here. <gasps> I mean, fair. For shame. Koba has to find out who's, <laughs> who, who they're working for. <laughs> enjoy your, enjoy your mud bath. I'm going to blub, blub, blub. Where's the, where's the fresher? I, I need a I fresher for was... like three hours. I think it was back down the hall. Are it's you a feeling okay? It's a duck thing. <laughs> okay. Technically, there, um, there is there is one treatment I wasn't going to do because it's a full system flush, but I believe that's on the second floor in the back. It's I like think Koba had some pressure. of that glowing food that Hillary was talking about. <laughs> no, it's okay. Thanks. Have fun. Bye. As Koba like, walks through a door that is definitely not the way to the bathroom. <laughs> uh, he's going to get us kicked out, isn't he? <laughs> probably parked employees uh, only. Probably. Well, blub, blub. Let's enjoy the mud while we can. And that's going to end the question part of our, uh, our episode and our lightning round. So uh, I'm going to turn it back over to you, Ben. I think we have one more order of business before the end. Uh, we are doing the conflict for this. Instead of doing another Walther episode, uh, we are doing the conflict at the end of Act 2 for right now. Bonus! With this, just how my notes are. At the end of the last time, Kubo was sitting at a morality of 52. Skip was sitting at 56. Cash was sitting at 43, and Hillary is sitting at 61. Koba has eight conflicts. Mm-hmm. Skip has... For some reason, I could swear Skip had six. I have five uh, written down. Okay. that That is what I've got written, so I've got no idea why I was attempting to add one more. I mean, you can give me one more if you want, but... Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, i Sure. Cash has 12. Yep. That's what my hash marks say. Yep, that's what I've got. And Hillary currently has 8. So Hillary and Koba are tied. Skip is in the lead. And Cash has 12. 
So who would you like to roll first? As I make up a new card. Uh, let's start with Skip. All right. I'm rolling a very big chunker of a d10. All right. You were able to get one. Oh, I rolled a 10. Okay. So you would go up by four. Which would get Skip up to a 60. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Goody two shoes. I killed someone. Yep. Yeah, and they were first. Yeah, that's the interpreter's you went... You're not going up by 10. Yeah, it went, went, went good job. The force gave you a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That guy was kind of a jerk right. anyway. Now I'm at 60. Then, so we've got Skip. Let's go with Koba. I rolled a two. It's my eight conflict, so I'm going down by six to 46. Hey, you're getting close to where I yeah, just currently slightly, am. Just, uh, just a little, little gray. Yeah. Little gray Only shades of gray. I mean, slightly light to slightly gray. Like, <laughs> at this point, if this were paints, it'd be really hard to tell the difference. I'm, I'm just it's vacillating like a, across the... You know, fifty points. So you know, the next mm-hmm. time we, that we roll, I'll I'll go up to like fifty-four or fifty-five or something, yes. and then just kind of keep going back and forth. Maybe. Let's do Hillary. Hold on. It's a six, right? I'm sorry. I've got to figure out which way my die is facing. Yes, it's a six. So I go down by two. You go down by two. I'm in the 50s. Yeah, so Skip's now our most moral Wait, character. I'm the... No! <laughs> yeah, you're the most... Why <laughs> is there something it's, wrong with being no, good? That means you are now the protagonist. Okay, okay, never mind. Don't answer that anymore, Ren. <laughs> I know what, what your problem in the book. is. And then let's go with Kesh, since Kesh is mm-hmm. the closest to... Now, now, before I roll here, if like... Okay. You know, if I roll like a 10, it explodes, right? And I can, you know, actually gain morality and go <laughs> like up it. and not just go down. I mean, wouldn't but that also affect someone else here? That's today? about what I expected. Um, I rolled a one. Uh, that's about what I expected. <laughs> so I'm going to go down 11 points. Oh, my gosh. To a 32. <gasps> oh. yeah. I have, correct me if I'm wrong. I technically have not fallen yet. I'm just no, extremely close to doing so. Oh yep. my god! Yep. You have not fallen yet. You're just yeah. very close. So if we uh, roll one points. more time before the end, I'm I'm gonna put put my credits down. On cash is gonna fall before we reach our finale. If we roll one more time, I mean, really, we should probably like at some momentous point yeah. near the end roll one more time and then. Deal with the very end. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Because yeah. somebody might have to, there might have to be a duel. Uh, I mean, there, there might. I mean, if I just gain, what, is it two or three conflict? I'm, I could yeah. fall? Yeah. I'm, the whole gaining conflict, having that sort of conflict in between. I don't think that you'd be able to fall in between roles. It's really where I'm at. Hmm. Hmm. 
No, no, I'm I'm talking about in in terms of um, uh, I would be danger in falling the next time you rolled. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm yeah. I, I'm aware. You know, in 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 less, until I'm at like fifteen conflict or something, then there there's no guarantee, and even then, it doesn't happen until we roll. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm just want to make sure that we're on the same page with it. Yeah, we're 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 on the same page. I'm I'm aware. Not till the next conflict roll at the the earliest, and she could still, you know, she could turn this around. Yep. You know, she she especially cons- considering weird stuff is going to be happening. Yeah, if she can keep her conflict under ten and she rolls well, which doesn't yep. seem to happen on these, but if she rolled well, she could, you know, she could turn this around. I mean, I've rolled well several times, not this time, but other times. Thank you for listening to this episode of Heroes of the Hydean Way. You can find true updates on Twitter at the Hydean Way, and you can find me, Ben, on Twitter at Deuterium Ice. I'm on Twitter at Blue of the Ken. I am at Leslet GS. And I'm at Twelfth Night. That's one, two, TH, and Night with a K. I'm at Ren Out of Time, which is what we have now done in the recording of this episode. <laughs> I'm disowning you. <laughs> that was terrible. Did you only just get it? I have a, I have a question. Four. Can can you give me the dictionary meaning of to rin? Shush! It's wordplay. It's wordplay. <laughs> Leave me alone. I was a pun or a play on words. We are all at thehydeanway.com, where you can find previous episodes. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Plus, you can help us out by rating, reviewing, subscribing, and leaving comments to tell Ren to define the verb Ren. I mean, if you'd like, you can check us out on Facebook at The Hiding Way, or uh, maybe send us a holocom at heroes at thehidingway.com. If you like what we do and you want to support the show, like maybe sending some free morality points cashes away you can find us at patreon.com slash the hydean way or you can send everyone on the team except for brandon some calf at kr-fi.com slash the hydean way harsh I'm okay with that i don't, I don't like calf. it's grown on me a lot mm. like a fungus you can have mine yeah uh, i'm gonna go have myself a pumpkin spice cold brew tomorrow it's gonna be delicious yeah, nice. those are pretty good, actually. I tried Heather's today. Yeah. I was going to say that sounds good, but I don't like beer either. So, like. No, it's it's still a coffee drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love oh. you. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it's, it's, we were talking about calf, Brandon. <laughs> it's still coffee. But, but, but you're right, Brandon. Beer is gross. So. <laughs> Foisted by my own petard. Yeah, you, you can brew coffee too. <laughs>